Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Today's guest is Bruno Garcia, and this is HFL 85. This interview with Bruno was back on May 11th of 2020, and I first met Bruno when we were at the 2019 ITG conference in Miami, Florida. Bruno and I and Stephen Campbell, a Ball State University professor, and one other person shared a B&B just a couple of blocks away from the conference site, and I met Bruno uh, that week and soon found out just how well-known he is in the trumpet world. I'd also like to thank my Patreon patrons. I appreciate your support for this podcast. If you would like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can find out more information at patreon.com slash studiohfl. Also, if you would, please go to Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review and a rating. I would greatly appreciate that. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. And before we get to today's interview, here's a little bit more from Aaron Rom about today's sponsors. Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at seshires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at pickettblackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at pickettblackburn.com and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. Hey, Bruno. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So welcome to my podcast, Studio HFL. Glad to have you here. Thank you. So we met last year at uh, Miami ITG. And uh, we shared a, a flat. I don't know what I'm going to call it a flat. I'm not British. <laughs> you know, it's, we shared a Airbnb, Airbnb with a, Airbnb. a yeah. few other trumpet players that week. And uh, I met you. And then the next thing I found out is 
as we pass people, everybody knows Bruno. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> you know, and I, I start to find out, uh, I mean, you're famous, right? I mean, you're kind of doing a little bit of what I'm doing, but you've been doing it a longer time and hosting festivals. And we're going to talk about all of that and maybe some other things today. But uh, yeah, um, I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, you were busy last week, was it? Didn't you host another big online event? Uh, actually, we did that in the middle of March. So what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, just practicing trumpets, watching Netflix. And, and also we are, we are working on a mouthpiece online course because many people in Brazil, they, they don't know about mouthpiece and they buy a lot of mouthpiece and mm -hmm. most of the time they buy the wrong one. Yeah, well, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it, it, it's basically like, like a two hours uh, online course, online mm -hmm. video, mm -hmm. talking about all parts of the mouthpiece and the main trumpet, com uh, the main mouthpiece companies and mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys have at your disposal? The same thing, you know, the Bach, uh, Pickett, everything. I mean, you have everything. Uh, that we have yeah. in the states, right? Yeah, we have Bach, we have Picket Press, Warburton, GR, uh, Shilke, Yamaha, Monet. Monet is a big thing in Brazil. Yeah. Now, yeah. speaking of big, I mean, Brazil is big. It's a big yeah. country. Where are you at the moment? It's the largest city in the country. And I can't remember. It's it rivals New York City in size, right? Or maybe bigger than New York City. No, no it's bigger than New York. So is this where you've lived for your whole life or did you move there at a certain point? Yeah, no, I, I'm born in Sao Paulo and I mm -hmm. still live in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so are you teaching down there or just playing all the time or a combination of, of both? Uh, I, I have some students, some private students. Uh, also, we have like an online trumpet platform. Uh, it, it's a... It's similar to Netflix, and also we do we organize the, the festivals and everything else. And also, uh, I'm the dealer of GR Warburton and Picket Press in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So just just you, just me, <laughs> just you. Yeah. <laughs> I know a city that big; it's got to have every kind of music. Um, what are you involved in? specifically musically there in Sao Paulo? My background is like, uh, it's like uh, playing. Uh, I played in some youth orchestra when I, I was in, when I was 19, 20, 20 mm -hmm. 21. And then I moved to, to the United States to study for a, a one year. And then I, I came back to Brazil and I started doing like Broadway shows. Uh, I think Brazil has the third Broadway show market in the world. I think the, the first one is, of course, Broadway mm -hmm. in New York. And the second one, not sure if it's, it's in London or Germany. And then Brazil. Wow. So a lot yeah. of work. It, now it's, it, we have less work. When I came back to, from the United States in 2000, 11, I think we had like seven or eight 
shows running at the same time. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy doing the Broadway work? Yes. And, and that was like a life change, like mm -hmm. a trumpet's life change, mm -hmm. because I, I was used to play like a large mouthpiece, a large horn, mm -hmm. and I have to move to something more commercial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's like a lifelong looking for the, the right to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you say you came to the States to study. Where did you go? Who'd you study with? I went to, to study in Richmond, Kentucky, at Eastern Kentucky University with Joseph Van Fleet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just a couple hours away from, uh, from me here in Indianapolis. So I've known Joe uh, for a number of years. Uh, how in the world did you make that connection with somebody in Kentucky? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because in 2004, I was playing a, in a symphony orchestra in Brazil. And one of the conductors, he had some relationship with the president of the Cape Belzeal University in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's a small, a small university. And then I was trying to, to, to get like a scholarship or something to study abroad. And then he, he gave me the, the contact. And so they put me in contact with Joey because Joey was the, the professor there at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So it took some years and then he moved to EKU. Mm -hmm. And then I went to EKU to study with him. If I remember, was Joe part of a, a trumpet ensemble or a group of uh, university professors that came down to Brazil to do some educational programming or? Uh... Uh, actually, we brought him and Mark Digori. Yeah, I know Mark very well, yeah. And also Jason Dovo. Yeah. Uh, actually, we, we brought Joey Van Fleet and Mark Digori in 2017 for the first mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. uh, for our event, the Sao Paulo Trumpet Academy, and they, in 2018, they, they were back. 2019, they were back with J Jason Doville. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they, they were here for like three years. Okay. I knew uh, Mark had mentioned something about, uh, you know, going to Brazil. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, they love uh, to come. Um, so the focus, you know, when you bring people down like that, I mean, I know... Joe and Mark have very orchestral and solo, uh, big solo backgrounds, and so does uh, Jason. But of course, now Jason has all of the Baroque experience. Is that something you added to your festival, natural trumpet? Mm, yeah, he gave some, like two or three uh, class about the Baroque trumpet, because mm -hmm. that's something that is, is starting to grow up here. Mm -hmm. We have a few people that are, are working with the Baroque trumpets. So, but the main focus of the, the Sao Paulo Trumpet Academy is to be like a summer trumpet camp. Mm -hmm. So the first idea was to, to, to bring uh, American teachers and also Brazilian teachers to, to, to give their knowledge about the and also teaching uh, mm -hmm. during the festival. 
it, it's like it, it's a small uh, it's a small trumpet camp it's like a hundred people mm -hmm. well that's a that's pretty good i mean a hundred people is good is it a week long a month long how many many days four days four days, four days. yeah yeah and also we have the jazz trumpet festival that we that we started that in 2013 mm -hmm. and that's big now that's the, the the most important trumpet event in latin america mm -hmm. we have around 300 people per year wow so yeah it's big do you organize all this yourself yeah uh, me and three people mm -hmm. So we are four people working on, on that. So who decided, hey, we need to have this. Let's do it. Who was this your idea uh, from the beginning? No, I, I, I wasn't involved in, in, in the beginning. Uh, in 2013, my friends, they have a big band and the trumpet session said, oh, let, let's try to, to do something like a, a jazz festival here because most of the trumpet festivals here are, are like classical. So let's do something about commercial playing and also jazz playing. And so they started the, the jazz trumpet festival with Eric Miyashiro. And I worked with, <coughs> I worked with them uh, as a staff. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2014, in the second year, I was involved in the organization. Mm -hmm. So, and also we had Alan Vizuri. Wow. Yeah, you've had obviously some very big names. Uh, yeah, some guys like Arturo Sandoval, James Morrison, John Ferris, and Greg Isbert, Ruben Simeon, and many guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, now, is Ruben from South America? Is he from? No, he, he's from Spain. Oh, from Spain. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what are the plans? I mean, were you hoping to have one this summer and, or is this the one that you had back in March? You've already had yours for this year. Uh, our, our summer is in December and January. It's different. We are in the South Hemisphere. See, the, you know, I, I don't think, it, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you, but I'm forgetting that you're, you know, uh, yeah, however many thousands of miles away from me at the moment. So um okay so uh now let me ask you this what about uh, uh the coronavirus has it affected sao paulo the same way it's affected here in the states yes we don't have the we are not in the full lockdown mm -hmm. uh, but they start to close many things since middle of march mm -hmm. and it's going to be until may 31, I think. Mm -hmm. So there is no work. There is nothing happening. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But in January, we did the Sao Paulo Trumpet Academy mm -hmm. and we brought Scott Belk mm -hmm. and Morris Northcutt. I just talked to Morris last week. What a great guy. Yeah. I yeah. And, you know, uh, I love his playing. It, he's so self-deprecating, very humble, you know, and, uh, but he's done a great job of marketing himself. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. Uh, yeah. So, so how did that go? I mean, two very different personalities with Scott and Morris. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, th that was great because 
both of them, they cover everything. Like Scott is a great jazz and lead player and also a great teacher. And Morris, he's a good teacher. And also he is a fantastic player, like mm-hmm. more classical. But he, he played some Harry James here with a big band. Oh, and yeah? That was great. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that, that, I'd like to hear that, you know, because he's so subdued in his playing. Uh, but uh, so um, what, uh, what's on tap? I mean, are you looking to, to have another festival at a, you know, and I know everything's kind of in question with the coronavirus, but... Yeah, pro- probably we are going to have the, the jazz in October. The, the festival always happens in the third or fourth week of October. And we already have confirmed Rex Richardson, Andrea Tofanelli, and Ashlyn Parker. Now, that last name is not a name that I know. Who, who is that? Ashlyn Parker, he's a jazz player. He, uh, he lives in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he he played, I think, with Alice Marsalis, mm-hmm. the father. Mm-hmm. So he's a scary player. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to check him out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rex. Oh, my gosh. You know, he, the world traveler, right? I mean, he's everywhere. Uh, yeah. What a great guy. And, you know, another one of these that can play the, the solo repertoire and the jazz equally well. He's just and a great teacher too yeah actually he came to the festival in 2017 he was here with eric miyashiro again because that was the the five-year anniversary of the festival so Mm -hmm. we brought eric again and we had charlie porter Mm -hmm. dana darby train austin mike vex it was like Mm -hmm. six or seven internationals Mm -hmm. a lot of work (laughs) yeah to manage everybody yeah uh, you know, Andrea uh, and the, what was it, the European All-Stars, you know, they did yeah. that big chase tribute. Did you go to that concert? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was unreal. Uh, it was great, just great playing. But uh, yeah, can you imagine trying to blow through that book night after night? Uh, no, no. I have an interesting story about that. Uh, I contacted Andrea Tofanelli about the festival and I told him, Oh, you're supposed to, to play like four or five shards with the big band. And he said, oh, no, I, I want to play 14 shards, minor shards. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's used to play like 12 to 14 yeah. shards. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you know, and such a nice guy too, right? Oh, yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. And uh, d- have you heard his story? I mean, he was so close to giving up on trumpet. Well. Uh, Oh yeah. In fact, uh, it's, it's in, this is a good plug for my podcast. It's, he tells the story in my interview with him. <laughs> so you'll have to go <laughs> check that out. Uh, but yeah, what a great guy. So, you know, I, I understand now because I've contacted and, and interviewed a lot of really high profile players and it's great. Uh, everybody usually says yes. Right. Yes. You know, and, you know, as long as everything schedules and, and money works out, but, uh, you know, the opportunity to meet the, and, and work with these amazing people, it's a lot of fun, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially when, when everything is done. Yeah, and you go back to see the pictures and you see you were with, like, 
maybe Bob Shield and John Ferris and Adam Rapper in a barbecue house <laughs> talking about trumpet and trumpet history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you have these festivals, do you get to play as well? Or are you kind of standing in the back just making sure everything goes? Yeah, just, just sometimes I, I play. But most of the time, I, I, I'm driving people to hotel and take them to restaurants and mm -hmm. translating and classes. And mm -hmm. it's like an organizer. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So, okay, I'm curious now, uh, translating it, you speak English, obviously. Um, what's the national language? Uh, Portuguese. Yeah. Uh, obrigado is the only word I know. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry to say that, that's all I know. Do uh, you speak any other languages? Uh, I can understand Spanish because the Spanish is very close mm -hmm. to Portuguese. Sure. So when Arturo came, he gave the master class in Spanish and everybody understood. Mm. So it's pretty similar. No, I, I, I just speak uh, English. And in Spanish, I, I can understand a little bit. What about Italian? What about when Andrea comes back? You know, can you think you can... Uh, he's supposed to speak in English. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good. So uh, I'm curious, you know, uh, more about your background. Like, uh, uh, when did you start? Uh, who'd you study with? What were you interested in? Who'd you listen to? All that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, I started on trumpet when I was 10 years old. I played in, in a marching band in my school. Mm -hmm. So, but marching bands in Brazil are different than the American marching bands. We don't do the, that marching dance. We, we, we have many championships here. And so the band marches and stops and play like two pieces. It's like a concert band. Mm -hmm. So I played in marching bands maybe for five years, six years. Mm -hmm. And then I started to, to, to play in symphony orchestras, youth symphony orchestras. And then I took my undergraduate diploma here in Brazil. And I played in some symphony bands too. Mm -hmm. So, and then I moved to, to the United States. I was supposed to, to, to have my master's degree there. I, I got the assistantship. But when I arrived there, the guy that had the assistantship, he had to extend that for a semester, mm. one more semester. So I, I had to keep my visa, my student visa. I had to do some English uh, lessons there mm -hmm. just to keep uh, the visa working. And then my money was going away. Mm -hmm. And then my father got sick. And so I, I had to come back. Mm -hmm. So I, I never went back to the United States. Mm -hmm. are, are you interested in finishing that uh, master's degree? Yeah, but probably in Brazil now, because the, our money is real. And the real to, to dollar, it used to be like 2.7, $1, 2.7 mm -hmm. And now it's like $1, almost six reais. Mm. Especially yeah. because, the, because of the, coronavirus and mm -hmm. the stock market, it's crazy now. Mm -hmm. So who were you listening to growing up? Who'd you have access to? Maurice Andre, 
Philip Smith, he, he was the, the big hit down here at that time. Bud Hurst, oh, most of the, the yeah. classical players. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, you know, you talk about the marching band, but then you have this, uh, you have this youth orchestra or orchestra experience. Uh, I yeah. mean, two, two very different uh, uh, styles uh, there. Yeah, but here the marching bands, most of the time we play like classical piece, hmm. like repertoire of the English marching bands. And mm -hmm. So it's more like a concert band mm -hmm. than a regular American marching band. Mm -hmm. um, are you playing in an orchestra currently? No, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, there's been a trend for a very long time to play sea trumpet on everything here in the States. I'm not a big fan of that. I think B flat is a good choice for a lot of things, but what about in, in Brazil? It's the same. Well, yeah. we, we, we follow the American school here. Mm -hmm. uh, at a certain time, at certain points I had C trumpets, uh, E flat trumpets, B flats, and piccolo trumpets, and everything else. But now I, I just have my B flat trumpet. I just mm -hmm. sold my piccolo trumpet because I, I don't use that. Mm -hmm. I, I realized that it was in my closet for one year <laughs> and no touching. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no reason to, yeah. to keep that. Yeah. So what do you enjoy, I mean, with no work going on, um, what are you practicing these days? What are you working on? Uh, basically, I, I, I like the Bill Alden routine. I like the Charlie Davis book mm -hmm. about the, the Bill Alden stuff. And I, I'm trying to, to, expect, to, uh, to, extend, to expand my, my range because it was something that I struggled for years to fix some problems and I'm trying to work on that in isolation. Most of the time it's fundamentals, try to fix some fundamentals. Uh, but in this time, I, I, I did some videos playing some big band stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I post that on Facebook just for fun. Mm -hmm. And also it was something like a video edition learning and also audio how to record yourself. It's something I think it's important, mm -hmm. especially from now to the future. <laughs> I haven't put myself out on Facebook yet. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I appreciate everybody that does. I've got an adult student that records himself every day and puts them, uh, is it uh, Bud, not Corona? You know, that, uh, like there's a daily piece that somebody uploads. Oh. Yeah, so he does that. Um, I, I just haven't come to that yet. I'm not that I'm afraid to, but it's just, there's so much good stuff out there already. It's like, why do I need to do that? That's my excuse anyways. <laughs> so. Yeah. And Kenny Rampton uh, of the jazz at Lincoln center, he tagged me on the West and blues challenge. Mm. So I, 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 I recorded the, the challenge and posted that. And that was great. Everybody was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> So I wonder how long that's going to go on. You know, are people going to get uh, bored with doing this? You think, or um, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy the to see the videos come out, but it's you know, too much. 
Sometimes well, I, it's too much. I, I wonder. Yeah, is it too much? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everything is so dynamic now. It's so, everything is so fast. Like in the beginning of the lockdown, everybody was starting doing the, the live videos, live stream. And we did for a, a week long. And almost three months later, people are still doing that every day. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes something is interesting for a week or two weeks and then people get tired of that. Yeah. So, you know, I think about Brazil, Sao Paulo. I mean, you think music. I do. I think about that and I think about the rich uh, music. I mean, it's part of the city, right? That's what keeps it alive. Yeah. It's got to be a really interesting vibe down there. So quiet, you know, but I mean, it, but it's the history of this is so deep, right? I mean, it, do you think it'll come back to where it was once I this is so. over? I think so. Especially now uh, we can see more people uh, going away, going out, mm -hmm. uh, trying to work because people, they have to pay their bills and they have to, to work. <laughs> and I think when the government say, oh, we, we are good to start everything again, in two or three weeks, everything will, will be back. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, you know, recording studio and the stuff that I do here in Indianapolis uh, with, you know, regional orchestras, uh, of course, university, we just finished. So, you know, there's three months where that's not going to be there anyways, but uh, there's nothing for the summer. So it's like, well, you know, get the Arbenz book out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, time to learn some solos that uh, I hadn't worked on in a while. Um, and this, you know, you know, talking to trumpet players, but uh, and, yeah. And, I, and, and how is the summer work there? Uh, iffy. I mean, even without the coronavirus, it's always sporadic. Uh, regional orchestras, you know, maybe one or two concerts in the summer. Uh, the Indianapolis Symphony is the major thing that goes on here during the summer. They have a huge concert series that, uh, you know, and, and fortunately I get to sub with them a little bit, so that's nice. But usually the summer, it's, it's uh, not a whole lot of work. Yeah. yeah for freelancers, you know, like, like me, it's just. Sure. Uh, and, you know, I used to hustle weddings, um, but I haven't played a wedding in a while, and I'm okay with that. I just, you know, you, you can only play trumpet voluntary so many times. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it's quiet, um, and I anticipate it's going to be quiet through the end of the summer. Yeah. We're still hoping that our regional orchestras uh, open back up, you know, and we actually have a season that starts uh, in September, August or September. So. Okay. And, and how many weddings do you do per year? Um, I, I, I don't do any anymore. I, there was a, there was a stretch of, uh, four or five years where I think I played about 30 a year. It was a lot, but I was going to wedding bridal fairs, 
and marketing myself that way. And, you know, it's okay money, but uh, not the most rewarding. Yeah, I, I, I'm asking it's because weddings are a big thing in Brazil. Mm. Uh, like five, six or seven years ago, I used to, to play like from September to December. That's the, 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 the big season. I used to play like 20 weddings per month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming down to Brazil. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but here we play the, with the fanfare trumpets. Mm-hmm. We, in the beginning, like 15 years ago, it was, it was more common to play like trumpet voluntary. Mm-hmm. But now we, we just play the, the wedding for, uh, march. Mendenhall, mm-hmm. and then uh, and also maybe a uh, something like uh, I'm trying to to rem- remember the word in, in English. I like an announcement, a fun fair. Sure, fun fairs. Yeah. Yeah. And then y- y- we play during the wedding. Most of the time, it's like uh, pop music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you do any arranging? No. I wish uh, uh, I knew how to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an awful lot of talented people out there that already do yeah. that. So I wouldn't subject anybody to my arrangements. <laughs> they're, they're not that great. So um, so I'm curious now, the connection with uh, Stephen Campbell. How did you and Stephen meet? Actually, Steve, he's a friend of Joe Binfleet. And I, I was looking for a place to stay in Miami. Mm-hmm. And Joey said, oh, let, let me talk to Campbell. I think he's going to ITG. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that is one more spot. And yeah. Good. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was That's a fun week. Great. Yeah. 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 Um, I was looking forward to this year, too. I don't know if you were planning on coming up to uh, Columbus, Ohio, but. Uh, yeah. Um, boy, you know, that's a huge loss, uh, for ITG itself, you know, that uh, I think so. Yeah. But, uh, it's nice that we can still do things like this an awful lot of online content being out there now. Um, I hope actually, it does. actually I, I have to reschedule my flight and because I was supposed to, to fly next week to Columbus. Oh, yeah, I, I was oh, going yeah. there to, to, to stay maybe a week before or a couple of days before ITG. Mm-hmm. And now I, I, maybe I will reschedule that for late September or beginning of October. Mm-hmm. So um, just trying to think, you know, what, uh, you know, you say you're practicing a little bit. Anything else? Are you able to, to get out and travel at all during this? Not traveling now. No. No, that, that is nowhere to go. <laughs> Everything is closed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, my kids, you know, they're, one of them mentioned, hey, let's go to Washington, D.C., but I'm thinking there's nothing open. No museums open. Oh, yeah. Wa- yeah. Washington, D.C., it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, I've been there twice, and yeah. it's one of the best places yeah. in the United States. Yeah. So, well... Any words of wisdom uh, for 
future trumpet players or? Uh, something that I, I would like to add is, beside of the, the, my trumpet playing and my trumpet stuff, uh, and beside of the, the festivals, I started a trumpet blog in 2011. Mm -hmm. And I translated, I think, 250 uh, articles from English to, to Portuguese. And that in, in a certain time of, mm -hmm. it, it was like a big thing here because nobody was doing that. Mm -hmm. And it, it was something important to, for people to get uh, more information. And also because of the, the trumpet festival, we do, we bring like a, a lot of different people. Like in 2018, we had Arturo Sandoval, Randy Brecker, and Ruben Simeon. So three different players. Mm -hmm. and, and for them, and some people, they travel from other countries of South America to go to the festival. And also Brazil is too big. It's like in the US, it's too big too. And some people travel from the Amazon forest, very close to the Amazon forest. And they take like maybe six hours bus and mm -hmm. then six hours airplane to mm -hmm. attend the festival. Mm -hmm. And when you see people and uh, seeing Arturo Sandoval or other guys live, many people start to cry mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they, they ne probably they never imagined to, to see them in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's amazing. Well, these articles that you transcribed, were, were these um, interview notes or uh, like articles from ITG journals or what was your source for these things you transcribed? Everything that I, I find online and I think it's interesting. Uh, sometimes it, it's just a, a video. I just add subtitles. Uh, sometimes it's like, ah, the history of the Bach mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. Or uh, ten, uh, top 10 rules of Winto uh, uh, Marsalis. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So now this brings me back to something you mentioned at the beginning about a mouthpiece course. What, uh, what would that look like? I mean, is this bringing people in one-on-one -on -one to try to fit them to a particular mouthpiece or a group of people where you, what's the format look like there? Uh, we just recorded uh, some videos, mm -hmm. uh, like explaining videos talking about what, what's the backboard, what's the ring, and how to choose a mouthpiece, what you should look for when you are uh, choosing a mouthpiece, or uh, you play like a 3C and you, you want uh, like a bright sound, what you should do, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And have you gotten uh, any feedback on that? Has that already been... No, no, we, we haven't released it yet. Oh, okay. okay. I, I finished the edition and yeah. everything. I'm, I'm curious to see how that, uh, how that works. You know, yeah, the, I, I, I can sense something. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure anything specifically like that exists here, uh, you know, other than just general information. You know, yeah. here's a 3C, you know, here's a 5C, here's, yeah. 
Yeah, so. when, when we start to understand the parts of the mouthpiece, it's amazing what you can do, especially with backboards. Mm -hmm. When you have already find, found your ring in your cup, the backboard is the big thing. Yeah, I, I, at the ITG conferences, you know, you've got everybody in the exhibit hall, right? Trumpets, cases, mouthpieces. And it's like, I, I guess I'm just thinking about mouthpieces. There is no perfect mouthpiece, right? For no. everybody. There's, yeah. and, and even there's no perfect mouthpiece for you. Well, maybe on this piece, but when you're playing this piece, now you gotta, you know, you gotta change. But I was thinking about the exhibits, you know, and being able to, uh, where you can go and experience interchanging all those things, different cup, different rim, different backboard. You know, that's a great place to go to actually figure that stuff out. Except if there's the guy at the next booth trying to play the double A on every <laughs> trumpet. Right? Yeah, like like last year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Shield he always says that the mouthpiece is the thing that you can change your sound quickly. Mm -hmm. Like he said, when a guy like Wayne Bergeron goes to a recording session. He, he takes like five, seven mouthpieces because he, he never knows what he's going to play. Maybe it's like a big band chart and the next record session is like a classical mm -hmm. piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The mouthpiece is the, the right thing, right way to, to, to change your sound. Mm -hmm. So now I'm curious, you said you were trying to expand your range. Yeah. Uh, what uh, you've probably got a mouthpiece that you use for commercial or lead playing. Uh, what about what kind of exercises are you using Scott Belk's, you know, crazy lip slurs uh, to work on that? Or what are you working on for that? Uh, actually, I, I'm trying to, to do a mix of things. Uh, at the rapper conceptually, it's very nice about that. Also, Scott Belk, he did uh, some exercise that helps to, to de develop the compression. Mm -hmm. And also my, my friend here, my Brazilian friend, he's, we, actually we share a practice room. So we, we always talk about that. And he did that years ago and he developed his range. And we were talking about that and something high range is try to, to figure out to, to keep your chops in a position and also your tongue to create that faster. Mm -hmm. So in most of the time, especially classical players, I, I, I can say that because I, I, I am used to, to do that a lot. Still do that mm -hmm. to, to use a lot of air to mm -hmm. play in the right range. And in right range is totally the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, yeah, you know, and all these things you've been taught all these years, right, all of a sudden get turned upside down, you know, and replacing those old habits, that's, it's not easy, no. you know, and, and then some people say you need a really small aperture, and then some people are like, you know, the aperture needs to be as wide open <laughs> as possible, it's like. Yeah, you know, actually, I had to change my embouchure, because I was used to, to do to drop my chin when I went up. 
So mm -hmm. I would play do like mm -hmm. well, like that. So it's impossible to play high with that tombow sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to, to to fix that, to keep that mm -hmm. in the place, in the right place to to to, to play in the high range. Mm -hmm. So so you know, uh, I don't think I've asked anybody this before. Like, you know, what's what kind of range do you have? Have, have you got a double C? Mm, sometimes it, that's starting to speak a little bit. <laughs> it's more like a squeeze or something like that. Yeah. Do, do, do you know the book Focal Point? No. Uh, yeah. The author is Richard Weil. He he does a lot of Doc Hanhart stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a great book. And in, in one page, he says, I squeak, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you, you start to, to, to do a squeak, one day that will become an old. Oh, well, uh, so the same, Bobby Shue says the same thing, you yeah. know, today's squeak is tomorrow's note. Yes. Yeah, right? And also Russian Ross, he, he says that in that Monet video when he, yeah. he plays the triple C. Yeah. It's so. like, but who needs to have a triple C? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind, right? But Yeah, sure. Yeah. But how but, often? But, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. but now I, I can play like a high F mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. It's something... And, you know, and that's about I mean, F's and G's, right? I mean, that's really, you can make a good living, a really good living, you know, and you can do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, wow. I'm not, you know, I, I kind of pride the, the podcast on not talking about gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but we've done that, talking about mouthpieces a little bit and, uh, and high notes. But, I mean, that is the, you know, the HFL, higher, faster, louder, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we got the higher part of that today anyways. Cool. So, well, I tell you what, I look forward to the next time we get to meet, but uh, yeah, thanks for the time today. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing That's, a little bit. Thank you for the invitation. It's good to see you. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. All right. So, all right. Take care. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, hope you enjoyed today's interview with Bruno. Just a reminder to go to Apple Podcast and leave a rating and a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And another reminder that if you'd like to become a Patreon patron, you can find out more information about that at patreon.com studiohfl. Thanks again for listening, and here's Aaron Rom to take us out.